All right, grab your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 45. We're going to look at some things in the life of Joseph again this morning, and I'm excited to present some things to us this morning. But let me begin with a question. Have, have you ever had a season of your life or a situation that you really wished you didn't have to go through? Yeah, I think we all have, haven't we? That there's been a season or a moment or a situation in our life that was just really difficult. Maybe it was an untimely death of a loved one, maybe a season of depression that just lasted way longer than you thought it was going to. Maybe you had a job that you hated and you just had to stay in it for a while and kind of kick the can down the road, but it was hard to get up every morning and get to work. Maybe you had a serious health issue and that season of life was extremely difficult. I think every one of us has have had a season or a situation in life that just made life really, really tough. And you probably wouldn't want to go through that again. Unless there was a huge benefit at the end of the season. It's interesting that most of us don't want to be in the middle of something, but at the end of it, if there was a benefit that was off the charts, then we often say, I might do that again to get the benefit. This morning, I want to look at a kind of a big overview of the Joseph's life story because Joseph's life story shows us that we can trust God in every season and every situation. So let's pray and then we'll jump in in Genesis 45. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you that we are learning to trust you. This one question we have, we've had all year, do I trust God? Um, we ask it again this morning as we look at the life of Joseph, and we ask you, Jesus, to help us process this well, and we ask you to change our hearts and our minds in some way this morning as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. We recognize that this side of heaven, life can be very unpredictable, it can be crazy, and not everything is going to be perfect and a garden of roses. Jesus said in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. We recognize as believers and followers of Jesus that this world is dominated by sin and that the thief is constantly manipulating things in mankind that we might steal from one another, kill one another, and destroy one another. We recognize that that, that all comes from him. But while we live here, while we learn to trust God, we must remember that he wants life for us, a full life. Now, a full life is not a perfect life. It's a complete life. It's an abundant life. It's an extraordinary life, but it's not a perfect one because this extraordinary life is in Christ. It means a life dedicated and surrendered to Christ. And if you have some creature comforts along the way, because you happen to live in the greatest country on the planet, then that's an additional blessing from the Lord, amen? I wanna show us a very powerful statement that Joseph makes when he reveals himself to his brothers and he reminds them to trust God in every season and situation. 
But let me set up the moment so we're not uh, forgetting what has happened and we remember the history and we're caught up in the situation. So remember, Egypt has gone through seven years of famine. Um, sorry, seven years of abundance. They've gone through seven years of abundance. And Joseph, ha- who's now second in command of all Egypt, he's collected the grain and he stored it for the seven years of famine that are coming. In the particular moment that we're going to look at in chapter 45, there's been two years of famine. So we're now kind of in the beginning stages of this famine. And Joseph's beginning to distribute the collected food to Egypt, to the surrounding countries around them, and he's taking care of people. Joseph's brothers, will remember, have already visited one time. And when they came that one time, Joseph did not reveal himself to them. And he gave them one command when they left. If you want more grain, you got to bring your brother back with you. And he meant his brother Benjamin who in particular was very special to Joseph because they're from the same mother. And so there's a particular bond there. And so Joseph really wanted to see his brother Benjamin. So the brothers obviously run out of food because the famine is severe and nothing is growing. And so they've run out of their first supply of grain and they're needing more. So they're now returning to Egypt to buy more and they've brought their brother Benjamin with them And this is where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 45. So if you have your Bible or you've turned to it in your phone, uh, I'm going to read it from the New International Version. This is Genesis 45, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And also maybe because they were bowing down. And also maybe because they were remembering the dream that he said, and they're like, oh, crud, he was right all along. (laughs) I hate when my little brother's right. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. Remember the one you sold into Egypt? It's me. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Way too forgiving, way too forgiving. Let's just acknowledge that. What an awesome man of God we're looking at. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. 
You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Did you notice Joseph's extraordinary statement? It's in verse five. Let's look at it again. In verse five, Joseph says this, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph is now beginning to understand the complete plan of God for his life. He's recognizing it, it's right before him. He's understanding it. And he now has the ability, because God's worked on his heart and he's allowed God to work on his heart, he now has the ability to see what God has been doing and why God has been doing this. And when you think about this statement, it's quite extraordinary. Because you almost have to ask yourself this question. Are, are you saying, Joseph, that the brothers hating you, almost killing you, selling you as a slave, being torn from your family, standing up for sexual purity only to be called a liar and a rapist, spending a good chunk of your 20s in prison was all part of God's plan? And Joseph can now say, Yes, yes, this was all part of God's plan and even better, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with what God put me through because I recognize the blessing and the benefit on the other side. And Joseph, are you saying that you trusted God through every season in every situation, every moment of the day? No, no, we don't actually see that in scripture. I'm guessing that there were probably moments when he was in prison where he was thinking, what am I doing here? Are you serious, God? Why am I here? There was probably a moment when he was in the bottom of a well when he was going, did my brothers really just throw me in here? My own blood? Did my own brothers just throw me in this well? What am I doing in this well? I'm sure there were moments where Joseph kind of had his moment of falling apart because we recognize that just because you trust God doesn't mean you don't have moments of falling apart, amen? amen. Uh, it doesn't mean you have everything perfect. It doesn't mean you think perfectly all the time. It doesn't mean your life is perfect. And it doesn't mean you don't have moments where you cry out to God and say, God, I don't understand. That's, that's part of the ups and downs of our faith and trusting God. But here's what we see. We see this story from beginning to end. And as a result of seeing the story from beginning to end, we also get to see something spectacular. And what we get to see, because we can see the beginning to the end, is that we can trust God in every season and situation. It's hard to see that in the middle of your difficulty, Sometimes it's very difficult to see that in the middle of your struggle, but stories like this are in the Bible so that you and I can see the beginning to the end of a story and recognize that God's got it all figured out and he's got it all planned out and we can trust him. 
I also like to point out a couple additional lessons that I believe we learn from Joseph's life and from every season and situation he encountered. The first lesson that I think we can see and that I've noticed is that no matter what happens, doing the right thing is the right thing. No matter what happens, doing the right thing is the right thing. Now we learn that in this season of life when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph sexually. Now here's what's interesting. In this moment, we, we notice that Joseph has a boundary for his sex life. It's a pastor Mark, what's so big about that? Well, the Old Testament law hasn't been written yet. God hasn't established one yet, technically. I mean, he's established one in the hearts of his people, but it's not on paper yet. It's not being taught in the synagogues. It's not being taught in families. It's not being handed down generation after generation because it's God's word. It's, it's only oral tradition at this point. But in Joseph's life, he had a rule that he felt like he should live by with his sex and sexuality. And so in his life and in his heart, he felt like it was wrong before God to have sex with a married woman. We see that in Genesis 39, 7 through 10. It says, now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. Now, if we stop there for a moment, we may say, maybe Joseph had a little bit of pride God still had to work with. No one is greater in this house than I am. Maybe he's thinking a little bit too lofty before he becomes second in command of all Egypt. He goes on, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against what makes sense here is sin against Potiphar? Because that's who he's talking about, but that's not what he says. And sin against God. And what does that mean? It means that Joseph has already worked out in his relationship with God, not with Potiphar, with God the boundary that he would have in his life in regards to sex and sexuality. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Why? Because no matter what happens, doing the right thing is the right thing. Even though she was pursuing him day after day, doing the right thing was the right thing. Now, today we have the full counsel of God's word regarding sex and sexuality. We have the full counsel of God's word. So we have so much more that we can look at and look to to see what God requires of us as the people of God. And our world today that we live in is telling us every single day, day after day, just like Potiphar's wife, day after day to do the opposite of God's word. So I have a question for us this morning. When it comes to sex and sexuality, 
Are you choosing to do the right thing because it's the right thing because God has said to? Or do you do your own thing in regards to sex and sexuality? Do you mix in a little bit of God's word and a little bit of the world? Do you choose to do more what you want or more what God wants? Now that applies to our sex and sexuality, but it also applies to every area of our life because God has left us his commands and his desires in the Bible so that we would be a people that would show the world that doing the right thing is always the right thing. Now that doesn't mean we live in judgment and that our thoughts towards others are, are more superior than theirs because they don't understand God's word or we live with hatred or disdain towards someone because they are not following God's word or that we think we are better than someone else. No, we continue to live in humility. We continue to live in gratitude for God's word. We continue to follow the truth and we continue to obey it and live it out through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, what Joseph teaches us is that no matter what happens, doing the right thing is the right thing. Another lesson that Joseph teaches us in every season and situation is that God always knows the right place at the right time. God always knows the right place at the right time. Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, I might not like what Pastor Mark's about to say. Go ahead. Just. God always knows the right place at the right time. Now, Joseph's life teaches us during the season of life when he was in prison. Prison, the right place at the right time. Because it was in prison that he needed to meet the chief cupbearer. Now, if you're like me, you would say this. Prison is always the wrong place at the wrong time. Wouldn't you? That's what I believe. That's what I would say. Prison is always the wrong place at the wrong time. The bottom of a well that my jealous brothers have thrown me in is always the wrong place at the wrong time. But in Joseph's life, we have these moments of extremely difficult situations where God says, no, 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 this is the right place at the right time. Why would God do that? Because God can see the end. I can't. We can't. You can't. But God can see the end. God can see the moment where Joseph needs to rescue everyone and he needs him to be in difficult situations at the right time so that he can meet the right person that will get him in the right place where God wants him to be. You say, Pastor Mark, this job I'm working in, I cannot stand it. I have a coworker. And I can't gossip, so that's all I can say. I have a coworker. And God has you there. Why? Because that's the right place at the right time for that person who has never understood or been able to receive the love of Jesus to receive it from you. Amen. 
And so you have to say, God, is this where you want me to be in this tough situation? I don't like this job. And Jesus is saying, I didn't ask you to like the job. I asked you to like the people at the job. (laughs) I asked you to like the people at the job so that you could reveal Jesus to them. See, without the season in prison, because he's been falsely accused of rape, Joseph doesn't meet the cupbearer and interpret his dream so that when Joseph has a dream that no one can interpret, the cupbearer can suggest a Hebrew named Joe. God always knows the right place at the right time. Now, some of you may be saying, Pastor Mark, if you're telling me that my cancer is the right place at the right time right now, I'm just going to get up and walk out. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that every single horrible situation that we go through is the right place at the right time. But what I am saying is there are some times where God in his sovereignty and his foreknowledge knows a perfect place for you and I to be that is sometimes difficult, is sometimes challenging. But what do we often say as Americans? I gotta get out of this situation now, right now, immediately. This horrible situation, I gotta get out of it. And God's saying, I don't want you out of that. I want you in it for a while. I need to teach you some things because right now you've got so much pride and you think you are so much better than everyone else because I'm better than everyone in this house. So I need you to go hang out by yourself for a little bit and let me talk to you for a little bit. We're gonna work a little humility in there. And I also need you to meet this guy that's gonna help you become second in control of all of Egypt. There are going to be moments in our life where we have to assume that a difficult situation is something that God has us in for a reason and for a season. And he will take us out of it when he's ready for us to be done. We have other moments like that in scripture. I'm guessing, I don't know this personally, but I'm guessing that the intestinal The intestines of a large fish are a pretty crappy place to be. I'm not positive because I've never experienced that, but I'm guessing that when Jonah was in the intestines of a large fish for three days, hanging out with stomach acid was probably not a really cool place. But did he need that place? He did. Unfortunately, he needed that place. And then I don't know what it's like to be puked out by a fish on dry land but that doesn't sound really cool either, but it was exactly what Jonah needed. We have these moments. The same is true for us. God can use all of our difficult situations, everyone, for our good and for his glory if we will trust him. Now that doesn't mean every single bad situation is brought to us by God. Probably 95% of the bad situations, I can tell you who got me in that situation, and we all know who that is, right? It's me. God didn't put me there. My own stupidity put me there. My own foolishness, my own ignorance, my own moment of not obeying God's word, my own, my own season of being selfish and doing what I want to do got myself in that situation instead of God getting me in that situation. But that's where I learned even more how faithful of a God we serve when I got myself in a crappy situation and he got me out of it because he loves me. 
And God does that for all of us, right? Joseph made the right decision and ended up in a bad place, but God said, this is the right place at the right time for exactly what I have for you several years from now. The third lesson that we can learn from Joseph's life and from every season and situation that he encountered is that the plan of God can trump what we think is best. The plan of God has the ability to trump what we think is best. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Trump when you're playing cards, right? Whatever, whatever suit the Trump is, the ace counters everything. It beats everything. The plan of God beats everything. Now follow me here. Joseph teaches us this during the seasons of his life. For instance, I'm sure that Joseph thought it would be best to stay with his family. But God had a better plan to rescue the family. So God trumps what Joseph thought was best. I'll bet you that Joseph thought it was best not to sleep with Potiphar's wife. And he was right. But God also had an even better plan. His plan would require Joseph to stand for purity, be put in prison so that he could meet the cupbearer to Pharaoh. So the plan of God was trumping even his good decision not to have sex with Potiphar's wife. That one might take another whole message to wrap our mind around. But even our good decisions, God might have an even better plan for. We can be pretty confident that Joseph thought it was best not to be in prison. But God knew Joseph needed to interpret a dream of a cupbearer so God could use that moment later to get Joseph out of prison in a spectacular fashion and put him in the most influential leadership position so he could rescue his family and a nation. So the plan of God was trumping even the good life that Joseph wanted out of prison. See, the plan of God for Joseph's life was to rescue his entire family, to save generations to come, to begin the growth of a nation we call Israel, to start the foundation of a radical deliverance from Egypt 400 years later, not to mention that all of what Joseph went through and all of what Israel went through in their deliverance would point us to Jesus. So if we don't have Jesus, Joseph and God doesn't work out his plan with Joseph to get the family where they need to be, then we don't have Jesus. Does God know what he's doing? God knows what he's doing all the time. All the time he knows what he's doing. And Joseph now sees this at the end of his life. The plan for Joseph's life was gonna trump what Joseph thought was best for his life because God actually knew what was best for his life. How about you? How about you? Do you trust God enough? 
that he gets to trump what you think is best? Because every single one of us in this room think we have an idea that's best for our life, don't we? Every single one of us. Let me tell you something right now. Right now, I'm too old now, I'm, I'm 49, but I'm supposed to be living right now in the riches of being an incredible baseball pitcher, major league baseball pitcher. <laughs> that was what was best for my life. And that's what I was preparing for. And that's what I was really never gonna do because I was never gonna make it. But that's what I thought was best for my life. But God had a better plan. And so now I'm here. And this is actually what's best for my life. And you're probably thinking right now in your life, I know what's best for my life. You might, but have you asked God what's best for your life? We're asking a question this year, right? Do I trust God? So do you trust God enough that God could trump what you think is best about your life to ask you to move to Africa to be a missionary? Just gonna let that sit for a minute. See, the plan of God is to make us mature and complete in Christ. That's the plan. Every single one of us, mature and complete in Christ. Following the Holy Spirit every single moment of the day as intensely as we can. God's plan is to rescue us from our sin, to grow us into a people, to live in the righteousness of Christ, not in the ways of this world. God still has a final plan of radical deliverance that we see lived out in the book of Revelation. I believe like it was for Joseph that God has a plan for every single one of us in this room and it will trump every good thing that we want or desire that is outside of God's plan. Because God knows what is best. Now hear me. I'm not saying that God is looking for ways to make you suffer. That's not the point. God's not looking for ways to, to help you have an agonizing life. That's not the point. What I am saying is if we become so focused on life on earth, material possessions, living the American dream, hobbies, doing what we think is best, then we will miss what Jesus said. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we get those two things out of order, then we never live the best. We must put his kingdom and his righteousness first, and then the best will become totally open to us. And that's what happened with Joseph. Now he's in command and in control of all of Egypt and the plan of God has opened up to him and he can see what's best. He can see that God is using him to rescue a nation, an entire region on the planet, his family, and an entire future of his family and the entire world through Jesus is all open to him now as he lives the best that God has for him. 
And that's what God has for every single one of us. See, because God knows what is best, he may trump all that we want to get us to see the life that is truly life, a life in Christ. The last thing is this. The last thing that we see is that God is always ahead of us. Always. He's always ahead of us. We see it in Joseph's life and we see it in our life. Let me show you the two ways. In verse five, God said to Joseph, remember in verse five, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for, for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And then in verse seven, he says it again. But God sent me ahead of you. And then he says two very interesting things. And now Joseph begins to understand the sovereignty of God that is always ahead of us. He's recognizing the foreknowledge, the predestination of God that is always ahead of us, preparing the best things that God has for mankind. Joseph's now seeing this in his life, but not only is he seeing it in his life, he's also seeing it for the future. Prophetically, God is now revealing that to him and he declares it right here in verse seven. Jesus or Joseph speaks prophetically about two things that God was doing ahead of the family. Number one, he was preserving a remnant. He was preserving the family. He was keeping them alive. Had Joseph not been where he was, then the family would have died. So he's preserving that. But then Joseph says, says this, to save your lives through a great deliverance. What is Joseph referencing? He's referencing Exodus. He's referencing that 400 years from now, I can see it in my spirit. I see it in my heart. God has downloaded it to my mind prophetically. I can see the deliverance that Moses will bring 400 years later as he becomes the one that leads the people out. Now, here's what's interesting. Joseph is so confident of this. It is such an important part of his life. He can see it so clearly in the spirit that when he dies, he tells the Israelites, dig up my bones and take them with you. In Genesis 50, the last chapter, verse 25, it says, and Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Yes, go to the cemetery, dig my bones up and take them with you. This is how confident he is that God has a plan for the future, that God is going ahead of them. Now, let me tell you something that's just so awesome. God's done the exact same thing for you. He's gone ahead of you. In Ephesians chapter one, verse four, the Bible says, for he chose us in him before the 
creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God has always been ahead of us. Why? Because we screwed up. <laughs> that's just, that's the truth. We're going to mess it up. And because we don't know what's best. We think we know what's best, but we don't always know what's best. And God does. And so he says, guess what? I'll always be ahead of you. This morning, we celebrated the cross and resurrection. Because the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is how we can see God always being ahead of us today. Would you stand with me? We see this in Joseph's life and we see it in ours. We see it in scripture everywhere. That God has always been ahead of us working for our best interests. And when we trust in God and we give him today, we say, Jesus, you have today. I trust you with all of my moments today. Sunday, July 31st, I, just, I give you today. I trust you with all of it. It helps me trust him with tomorrow, next week, next month, a year from now. It helps me recognize that in every season and in every situation, I can trust him. Because there's a situation that's going to happen this afternoon where you're going to have to trust Jesus. <laughs> Something's going to happen. You're going to have to trust Jesus. Happens every day. And we're asking ourselves, do I really trust Jesus? The life of Joseph and the life that we're living now overwhelmingly tells us that we can trust in God in every season and every situation. So as we close in prayer, I just want to encourage you, let's be those kind of people. Yeah. Let's be the kind of people that trust in God all the time because he's ahead of us because he knows the right thing all the time. because he loves. Let's pray. I want to ask us a question as we go to prayer and just give us a moment to respond to what the Holy Spirit may be working in someone. One of the, one of the biggest things that we ever trust God in is our salvation. Just saying, I, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross and rose again, and I need to have a relationship with you. That's a big step of trust that some of us have already taken, but maybe someone in this room needs to take it this morning. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. 
If you've never said, I trust in Jesus and I need to give him my life. I need to, I need to believe in him and I need to have a relationship with him. I need to start a relationship with him today. I've never done that before. But I need to put my trust in him. If that's where you're at this morning and you, just, you need to start a relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to just raise your hand right where you're at. I'm gonna see it, God's gonna see it, and it's gonna be a moment for you to say, this, this is my moment, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Secondly, for those of us that have made that step of trust, I wanna ask us a tough question this morning, and that's this. Does God have the veto power in your life? <laughs> Does he get to trump what you think is best? Or are you in control? It's a tough thing. But it's what we're talking about and what, it's what God has for every single one of us. And so I just want to ask, if you're in a place where that's a struggle for you, just giving God complete control and saying, God, I know I have my own idea of what I think is best, but I know you have a better plan for me and you actually know what's best. And I, I want to submit to that. I want to surrender to that fully. And it may not be far from the plan that you're living now, but it might be completely different than the plan you're living now. But all of us at some point in our walk with Jesus have to make this decision. I'm surrendering to what God knows is best for me. If you feel like that's what you need to do this morning, because it hasn't been a habit in your life spiritually so far, and you want to you take that leap of trust this morning, you just raise your hand and say, God, that's what I want to do. Just raise your hand, thank you. Hands going up. Good, good, yes. I see your hand, good. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we recognize that we do need to give you the ability. And we do need to be at a place as followers and believers in Jesus that we've surrendered everything to you. And so, Jesus, that's what we do this morning. We surrender our lives to you. We recognize that there is no one who knows better for us than you. Nobody. Not even ourselves. So, Lord, help each of us to surrender our best plans to you. And, Lord, if we start to hear some kind of radical things when we pray and when we talk to you, that sound way out of the blue and way out of what our plan was. Would you help us to continue to pray through that, continue to submit that to your spirit, to talk to some others about it? And Lord, if you're calling us to something totally new and something totally different, would we be those kind of people that say yes? Yes. This is what Jesus is doing in me. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna... Do whatever Jesus is asking me to do because he knows what's best. And Lord, if we're in a difficult situation 
And for whatever reason, you're telling us to stay in it. Help us to see the purpose of it so that we can minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. So we can show the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Christ and be the joy in the hands and feet and the peace of Christ to others. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Jesus, thanks for teaching us hard things, helping us do hard things. Holy Spirit, please be with us all the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being in church this morning. It was good to see you. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.